Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday Celebration from the Center for Spiritual Living in Huntsville, Alabama. We hope you feel the grace, the beauty, and the love of our community as you hear the message of the week. to this cosmic heart that we all share, in addition to the cosmic mind. And when the head rests in the wisdom of the heart, we enter into a field of love. Dr. Ernest Holmes says, divine love brings together and maintains together in harmony and balance those who belong together. So as we open to divine love, cosmic love, well, then we can say, I have arrived, I am home. In place of unconditional radical acceptance of life on life's terms. Ah, And then every moment becomes a sacred moment because all we ever have truly is the moment. And then from my childhood in the Christian church, I hear them say, this is the moment the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. So even though it may have been a primitive time in my life, those little seeds of truth still ring true in my heart and soul. So could we open to this sacred moment and know that inherent within this moment is everything we need to experience the wisdom of the soul? My Zen calendar this morning said, wisdom comes only from the understood experience and from nothing else. I'm speaking about the wise heart today. Wisdom comes only from the understood experience and from nothing else. So when you wake up at three in the morning, as I have been the last two nights, and I go downstairs because I can't sleep and I go into meditation, and then I seek to understand this experience that I'm having. Spirit is waking me up at three in the morning and it's trying to show me something. And what it's showing me mm, is that I'm a spiritual being. I'm not a programmed individual. And there is a heightened energy on the planet for those of us who are the light workers. And we're being called to a transformational vortex that is always happening. We are evolving into something that is universal, the universe soul. And so something is waking up and it says, don't go back to sleep. Don't go back to sleep. And could I understand this experience as grace? Mm. So this month of February, where we speak about love, 
I invite you to join with me in an inquiry that isn't seeking answers, but is courting the question, how might I more deeply experience the truth of love, a love that was never born, a love that never dies, but a love that is always activated within our soul, taking us to higher realizations uh, with every breath we take. And so I invite you to open your eyes and to be here with me now. You know, life is the great teacher. And this week was a really strange week for me. It started last Sunday when I came to the center and I was being pulled to a memorial service for my teacher, Dr. Kennedy Schultz. I, I spoke at this in the year 2000, but I had never looked at the program. It was sitting in my bookcase. And I picked it up last Sunday morning and it's grief heals me. Little did I know that I would have a week inundated with grief. And I read this yesterday at the memorial service for my beloved Phyllis Blaha, who was a member here at the center, who had a very, very troubled life. But in her death, I find her closer to me than she was in life. Now, is that the direct experience that I'm having, Sylvia? They don't die. So she woke me up Tuesday night after she transitioned on Tuesday morning. She went into hospice Monday morning. They told her she had cancer, six months to live. She chose to stay for two days, or maybe a day and an hour. And she was holding the hand of beloved uh, Virginia Burroughs. And Virginia said, I invited her to step out of her pain body, which she was really in excruciating pain, and to step into her light body. And she said, I literally felt her transcendence. It's a transcendent moment when we let go of the part of us that's suffering and we enter into the grace of what is now. And so I witnessed in her death, so much love was activated in our community. And Kennedy reminded me in his beautiful prayer that the perfect wisdom that draws people to me also draws them away from me. Phyllis had been estranged from the center for several years because she got angry at someone, I think it was me, and, um, but all of that fell away. And so they are attracted, some for you, and then some leave all that was enriched uh, by them, by living part of their being and setting me free to draw into my life new relationships for continual enrichment. Phyllis' life continued to expand once she left the center. She created inquiry groups. She started activating her art again and see, um, was an active person with kayaks and she went hiking. So she had a whole different life. I think she even went into roller derby. I mean, she was, and, but when, she, when her soul was ready to leave, it left. And she came to me and let me know I'm still here, just like my twin. I'm still here. Back to that. Wisdom comes only from an understood experience. So guess what? We don't die. We're spiritual beings. We're having a human experience. We know this and we've been in relationships that have died. The relationship may have died, but the love never went anywhere. So could we know that love is a deathless, eternal thing? And you don't just take the wisdom of my penguin, my spirit animal for it. I mean, I've got penguins all over my house. Does that mean I'm going crazy, Sylvia? Or I'm just tapping into some potential acid trip in penguin land? <laughs> you know, we can, we can choose to see life as a problem to be solved, or we can see it as this glorious mystery to enter, to be entered into. And it will surprise you, trust me, if you open to it, because it is the great mystery. 
So could we start falling in love with love at a much deeper level, knowing that love is seeking us out? It's divine love that brought us all here together. It's divine love that brought me into a ministry when I said to the universe, I'll do anything but be a minister. Well, it said, yeah, look what you know. And so I went through my books, my library on love, and I pulled out Joe Goldsmith, The Gift of Love, because it has a way of looking at love that's the bigger picture. And it's important that we start with that recognition of a higher love. It's never been about you and me as separate beings. In fact, the ultimate place we're going to aspire toward is what James Twyman calls the non-being. There's no David being something. There is the one life being itself through all of us. And that's what he points to in the gift of love. So let me give you a little Joel Goldsmith, this wonderful mystic. He says, when we recognize the omnipresent love in the universe, a whole new dimension of life opens up to us, and then we realize so much more. So I'm going to invite you to stretch with me and fall into that ocean of love where Rumi says, all swimming ends in drowning. Whoa, I think that's kind of a dramatic thing, David. All swimming ends in drowning. That means there's no more you swimming in the ocean of love. There is the only ocean of love as you. And then you can say, I have arrived. I am home in the ocean of love, Miss Amanda. And you can never leave it. So he goes on to say, the presence within us is infinite love. Just tap your heart. Feel that infinite love, the cosmic heart that we all share. Yesterday, when we did this celebration of Phyllis's life, we did this beautiful practice where we saw her soul and we put our hands together like this. And then we opened our hands and we saw her face smiling back at us. And then with so much love, setting her soul free, we lifted our hands up in the sanctuary and we opened them and we said, now you're free, my beloved to express and experience life in a whole new way. You're no longer bound by a body that's struggling with cancer and a a history of depression and abuse. All of that can just fall away in a nanosecond when you set a soul free. So here's Joel Goldsmith on the gift of love. And you know, if you don't receive the gift, where does the gift go? So could we open this Sunday to receive this mystical gift of love? That's the whole enchilada, Miss Sylvia. Thou art only love. Thou art, period, and only love can be expressed. And where thou art, only wisdom can be expressed. We're speaking about the wise heart today. So when you find that love that you are, that's when the wise heart awakens. Wow. Where thou art, only peace can be known. And thou art within me. Together, communing with one another, thou hast made my consciousness thy dwelling place. The beloved lives within us. So then you can say, beloved, 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 as a name for God. This life belongs to you. Do with it as you will. Well, then it's a little drop of water falling into the ocean of love, saying, it's no more about me. And then you hear Rumi again. Oh, drop. Oh, drop. Give it up. The ocean for a drop. Oh, to be wooed by the ocean. So kind of saying the same thing. Ah, Thy presence is the activity of divine grace. And thy grace is my sufficiency in all things. We just did this beautiful class called The Grace in Aging. Grace is the unmerited givingness of divine love to all of us. You don't have to earn it, Thomas. It's given gratis to all of us. So could we open to the grace of love right now, Amanda? Right now. It doesn't have a geographical location. It's right where you are. 
He says, thy presence is the activity of divine grace and thy grace is my sufficiency in all things. And I can do all things through thy presence within me. This is speaking to love. The presence of thine all-embracing love. Mm, doesn't it make you want to just shake your body? Put it on. Let that love just kind of take residence within you. Feel it in your heart. Feel it in your toes. Feel it in your nose. Feel it in your eyes. I can do all things through thy presence within me. And the presence of thine all-embracing love sustains me. Thy love is the law of my life, and every demand made upon me is fulfilled by thine omnipresent love. I'm just falling into love in February. It's not about finding that perfect him or her anymore, Thomas. It's about knowing that you belong to divine love. Whoa. Kind of sit up and kind of feel feel yourself full of that. You've got to kind of take it into your body. Take it into your mind. Take it into your heart and your soul. You belong to this love. If I have joy, he says, peace and harmony, these two bear witness to thy presence of love within me. So those are the after effects, the byproducts of this divine love. I'll find a sense of peace. I'll find a sense of joy. And then you know what your superpower is? It's your ability to play and laugh. That's your superpower, you little children over there. Know that is your superpower. You come from the joy. You open up to the play of life. And then you bring laughter on the planet. And that's the gift we bring. Who would have known that that's your superpower? We're doing this new class. And she says, when I was a little girl, she said everything was happy and gay and fun. And now I become an adult and everything seems to be a problem. What happened along the way? Well, she forgot to play. She left her joy at the doorstep. If I serve, if I help, if I benefit anyone, this is a testimony of thy love consciously realized within me. Divine love realized within me can go to a dinner party and shake the sequins off her dress. Are those just sequins off your dress, Sylvia, or happy to see me? I think you're happy to see me. So thy love, I feel it. It is here within me. It goes before me to lead the way. It walks beside me. It walks behind me. And always it looks over my shoulder, showing me which way to go. Could we finally trust in this divine love? Remember, divine love brings together and maintains together in harmony and balance those who belong together. So could we, instead of trying to run the show ourselves, could we surrender to this divine love which has always been guiding us? It started when we were a little boy and girl, and it's guiding us right now, even at 75 years of age. So hold in thy love. I walk uprightly and confidently because I belong to this love. So he premised a whole book on saying all there is is love, and then you hear Ernest Holmes. All is love and all is law. He said that the love lead the way, and then the law will make the way possible. The law is the spiritual law. It's a law of attraction. So by right of the law of attraction, you're going to attract to yourself who you are. So if you look around your world and you don't like what you've attracted, as someone says, if you look in the mirror and your hair's a mess, you don't go calm the mirror. You take responsibility for what am I projecting into the world because I'm going to attract to me those who belong in this same vibrational field. And then, as we evolve on the spiritual path, well, we're evolving the light makers right here at the Center for Spiritual Living. We are the ones that are here stepping out of the traditional way of looking at things into a more mm, inclusive way of seeing it's all part of the one life. And then you realize we're moving from the me to the we and to the all. It's all the one life. That love doesn't just choose the human experience. The title of today's talk is I'm holding the world in kindness. And I picked that title out because His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, he's the head of the Buddhist church on planet Earth. 
He says, my religion is not Buddhism. He says, my religion is kindness. So could we hold this world in a sense of kindness, where every little tree and every sapling is one of your trees that you get to tend, and every little animal on the ground is sacred. There's not just good animals and bad animals. No, they're, they're all sacred animals. And then we have a relationship. Uh, Jody and Bob went for a beautiful hike at Sipsi uh, Park and saw the waterfalls, and as they were sharing how they were sitting there holding this all in so much kindness, I realized that nature is holding us in kindness. So when you want to really discover this divine presence, go for a walk in nature and sit at the foot of a tree and have communion with it. You know, my sweet husband has this issue with people who cut trees down, and my neighbor right next door cut the two huge, the oak and the pecan tree down because they were annoyed by the nuts that fell from the tree. And so then the neighbor who lives next door, she has a huge tree in her front yard, and after seeing them cut theirs down, she was telling me today that she's thinking of cutting her tree down. And I said, just so you know, Trey will probably shun you for the rest of his life if you do that. I mean, that's how he deals with things that he can't handle. But he's doing the best he can because in his mind, the trees are sacred. And if you take the tree down, it's you've taken part of him down. So I get to honor him where he is in his path of accepting what is. Of course, I'll say things like, well, you know, there really is no death. Oh, don't give me that new thought way of thinking. Okay, well, I won't talk about there is no death, even though every Sunday I tell you that we don't die, that we're still here because we're spiritual beings, we're having a human experience, and this human part of us is where we get to evolve and grow. That's why when I used to try to treat away the fear and the anger and the anxiety, now I invite the fear in. I invite the anxiety in. I invite the confusion in and I sit them down because right in the midst of the darkness, you find the light. You know, one of my favorite IGB inspired by God television networks is the Turner Classic Movie thing. It has the old movies. And this week, they're honoring some uh, anniversary. It was all about how the movies can heal us. Because in the movies, and they started with um, Robert Louis Stevenson, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, something that scared the bejeebies out of me when I was a little kid. It's about a Dr. Jekyll who takes a potion and all of you, he becomes Mr. Hyde. And Mr. Hyde is the personification of evil. But right inherent within that story, the darkness and the light get to dance. And when you embrace the darkness, guess what you find? You find the light right there. And then Turner Classic Movies carried it into the yin-yang symbol and the feminine and the masculine. And it's not to choose one over the other. It's to see we're a whole human being when we have a healthy inner feminine and a healthy inner masculine. That's why the indigenous people... They considered the gays to be spiritually gifts from God. They called them the bird ashes because they have the balance of the male and the female energy. It was only in our Judeo-Christian that they condemned uh, someone like myself. But you go back to the indigenous tribes, they recognize that if you have the balance of the male-female, you're ahead of the game. So could we be teachable at this stage of our evolution and see that life is pointing to something so much bigger if we could just open to it? Because of Phyllis's passing, she was a gardener, I pulled out my little book called The Gardener uh, because mm, this is, by the way, this is her heart. She had all these plants and she had all these animals. She didn't have any children uh, because she had a radical hysterectomy as a young woman. Her father put her in a mental ward and part of her healing was to um, do that to her. So she had some really wounded parts of her life. But where she made up for that was with the four-leggeds. She would raise dogs, and they became her children. And then 
some, a person gave me a gift when my dog passed away, and the book was called Soul Contracts. And it says every animal that you encounter, and I would say humans as well, has a soul contract with their human, and they're here to teach us unconditional love. So Phyllis had bokus of dogs. And so I just know that that rainbow bridge is an active place. As Paloma comes running across that bridge, Paloma was the love of her life, a little female dog. But she also loved all the plants. And so um, in her house, she moved to be at the center. Divine love brought her here. She moved a block away. And now all her plants are being offered to the world if you want a plant that was brought here with love. So I have one of her plants in the bookstore over there, I mean in the classroom. And in that plant was this beautiful heart. And I, I think of it as Phyllis's heart because it's not just a, a lovely quartz heart. It's a complicated heart. It's got dark and light in it. It's got red and orange and blue. And you can see there was a complicated soul that had owned this heart. And now I get to hold it to my heart saying that I cherish you. So she was a gardener. And she had all her plants and all her animals. And in this lovely little book called The Gardener, it's by an, an artist from Spain. He has a little chant called The God's Chant. And this reminds me of Phyllis. And see if you can feel into this. Feel her presence here. She was the gardener. Unsurprisingly, the neighbors found the gardener, who was out there talking to his plants, rather strange. Often they saw the gardener talking to his plants. He was stroking them, and he was treating them with great affection. Well, you're not supposed to talk to a plant, are you? Unless you want to talk to a plant. Those are some fun ones to talk to. Aren't they cute? That's Rocco and Erico. Okay. Why do you stroke your plants, said the neighbor? Why do you talk to them when they cannot feel your hand or they cannot even hear you, one of the neighbors said in disgust. Well, the gardener said, and how do you know that they cannot feel or hear me when I speak love words to them, replied the gardener. Well, his neighbor was puzzled and confused and was ready to walk away. Well, everybody knows that plants are not able to fill in the blank, said the neighbor. Nor do most men, says the gardener, feel or hear God speak. Oh, he's getting a little bigger picture here, Miss Sylvia, interrupted the gardener. Yet God does not stop talking to any of us or caring for us because of this. So could we, if we're crazy enough to talk to a plant, could we speak to this divine presence of love that's all around us as well? It never left us. It never forsook us. Is that a word, forsook? The neighbor felt increasingly confused and a little troubled, and he asked the gardener again. And how do you know that God even exists? Well, this is a man who's a rather troubled soul, Mr. Michael. I have never seen God, he said to the gardener, nor have I ever heard God, nor have I felt him caring for me in a way that you speak of. So he's God-deprived, the neighbor. The gardener bowed his head to him and was silent. And when the neighbor thought that he was not going to be able to answer him, the gardener looked at him so kindly and gently in his eyes and said this. If you ever stop to listen on a moonlit night, you will only realize that the crickets sing when they keep quiet. It is the silence that warns you of the presence of this hidden life. God has never stopped singing to us. He has never stopped talking to us or caring for us. And it is for that reason that most men do not notice this love because they haven't fallen into that still place and listened to the quiet. In the quiet too, I hear the voice of God. There's a beautiful song that we sing in Circle of Love. In the quietude, I hear the voice of God. 
So if God stopped singing, even if you realize the very next instant that he was there, it would be too late. And smiling, the gardener added, do not worry, my friend. God will never stop singing. You just have to tune in. Then you will never be able to convince us that God exists, the neighbor said, said to him with a triumphant smile. You can't prove it. Ha, ha, ha. The gardener just started to laugh. <laughs> and putting his hand on the neighbor's shoulder, he said to him compassionately, just as it is with the crickets, if you feel an internal peace, the silence will reveal to you God's chant. Uh, if you turn within and find that inner peace, God will reveal to you God's chant. Be still and know that I am God. And so that's that little thing on God's chant. Could we tap into it by opening to the mystery of belonging to the universe? It never went anywhere. Paula, do you hear God when you play with your plants? Yes, of course she does. She's a plant lady. So last night I couldn't sleep. And it's been waking me up, and I understand that what's happening is that I'm going through kind of a transformational thing energetically. And so then instead of trying to force myself back into a 10-hour sleep, I get up and I go into meditation, and I was sitting downstairs meditating, and I pulled out my James Twyman. It's, it's about uh, the master teacher within us. And he was explaining to me what I was going through, even though I was uncomfortable hearing what I was going through. So I'll, I'll let you know what I was going through from the master teacher. And it's about the presence within. To realize the state of perfect non-being, that's not where there's a David and a Bob, that's where there's only this one life, that divine love. To, he calls it the perfect non-being. Simply relax and be present to the presence of the I am. So to just stop and be present to this I am, that I am. That's the name of God. Right? And here's how you do it. Let the current of this connection take you into itself. And then empty yourself of every longing and desire, but to be one with this infinite ocean of grace. Let go of all your uh, desires and wants and ambitions and projections of what things should look like. Let go of all of that and just open to what he calls the ocean of grace. It's all grace, isn't it, Sylvia? Every single bit of it. Ocean to that grace. Think of nothing but this grace. Then you'll dissolve and know that the river and the ocean are one, as you, as me. We have a painting in the bookstore. It's by Sharon Ledford, and it has just one word, dissolve. Big word, dissolve. And then underneath it, she has the little word, beloved, 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 beloved. Same thing. Just dissolve into this beloved. Then there's no you with your agenda, with your preferences, with your wants and your needs. That person's gone. It's this state of grace that arises naturally when you let go of the need to control your experience and you simply allow yourself to be present to the present moment. You allow yourself to be present to the present moment and guess what? All you have is the present moment. This is what yesterday's Zen calendar smacked me. I'd like to be God smacked. This is what yesterday it said. Uh, pausing is the doorway to awakening. When you pause, you enter into the present moment. Could we... Be courageous enough to just pause and be here now and then observe what's arising. So we pause not only with our body, but also with our mind. And sometimes we can be attentive and sometimes we cannot. But that is okay. For the next moment is always brings us the fresh possibility to pause yet again and to be present yet again. 
I have a little blind and deaf pug, and I carry him out to do his business, and it takes him forever to get in the position to do his number two. And you know what? After reading this pause, I just breathe in, I pause into the present moment, and I am patient as he takes half an hour to get into the position to drop two little pebbles that I can pick up with gratitude, knowing that life is on his terms, and he's going to live in the present moment and not on my controlling schedule. So, there are no steps to follow, she says. There is no enlightenment to work toward. There is only the simplicity of relating into this moment that is complete within itself. So when Jody and Bob were walking to paradise, they had to go through the bramble bushes and step over all the trash that had been thrown out, but they got to their destiny of the kingdom of heaven and they breathed in and they were holding this place. And then, as I said to them, as she was sharing and he was sharing, that place was holding them. And then as they paused and went up the thing and saw the cigarette butts in the trash, they took their little bag and carried that out of the beautiful forest to do their own little island of decency. That's holding the world in kindness to go around and pick up after what other people. I went out the other day and I found this enormous dog poop in the playground where the kids go. And it wasn't my dog poop, but it was my dog poop to pick up because if I hadn't picked it up, you could have fallen in the poop. So when you find a poop alongside the road, you pick it up, right? Don't you, Jody? So one of the key components to this journey is to develop a deep sense of trust in the process of life. Could we trust in this process of life? You know, I haven't seen Amanda in a while. Have I seen you since my twin sister was found dead? No. So she hasn't seen me in a couple years. Boy, a lot's gone under the bridge, and yet I'm still here. And I'm so more advanced because of it. I have more on the other side. You know, it's crazy. So he goes on to say, trust that you're being guided in this life. And you're being supported every step of the way. And that everything that's happening in your life is happening for your highest good. This is what woke me up at three in the morning to remind me that it's all here for my highest good. Even the rhinestones on your pants. Another important aspect of the journey toward perfect non-being is to develop a sense of detachment. To be detached but yet engaged. You're detached from outcome. And so be detached from the outcomes of your actions. Instead of being attached to a specific outcome, simply do what you feel called to do in every sacred moment. I was walking in the pub this morning at 6.30 and there was a young lady walking down the street and I tend to smile too much. My husband said to me once, he says, you know the problem with you, David, you're too friendly. He says, you're smiling at everyone. So this young lady was walking and she looked really sad. I said, good morning, beloved. And she looked down like she was so sad and lonely. And my heart just went out and I wanted to go over and hug her. But then I remembered there's a thing called healthy boundaries and I can't go and hug a strange girl walking down the street, even if, though she does look sad. Another important aspect of this journey toward perfect non-being is to develop a sense of detachment from the outcome of your actions. And instead of being attached to specific outcomes, simply do what you feel called to do at each moment and trust that everything will work out as it should, Miss Amanda, if you follow your heart. Then you don't have to outline the outcome. She's moved to Huntsville. She's starting a yoga class. She's an energy healer. And she's glowing from within because she's finally honoring her soul. Yes, her husband's in another state, but they'll work that out. These obstacles are simply opportunities for growth and learning and growth and learning and can be embraced with a sense of curiosity and wonder. Those are the two greatest assets you can have is a sense of wonder and a sense of curiosity. Jesus would say, be like a child if you would enter the kingdom. So keep that wonder alive. That's where the sparkle comes up. That's where you begin to see God in all these kind of little things. Trust me. 
In addition to cultivating a sense of trust and detachments, it's also important to cultivate a sense of gratitude and appreciation. The grateful heart. The grateful heart. I'm so grateful for all you out here. And yesterday when I went to that memorial service, I saw so many old friends. Our beloved uh, Donna Anthony came all the way from Mississippi. And to, it was just like, just, just to fall in my arms so we could be together in that love. Yeah, gratitude and appreciation for all that life has to offer. And when you're able to see the beauty and the wonder in even the most mundane aspects of life, you open yourself to this deepest sense of connection with the universe and with all beings. This is all our family. It's not just the human family. It's not just the new family. They're all our family. Every little, every little thing out there is sacred. So another important aspect of this journey toward perfect non-being is to develop a sense of compassion and empathy for yourself and for everyone else. A sense of compassion. It was Ram Das the other day in my Zen calendar. He says, I like to see my purpose here as one of love and compassion. And my work is when I'm not loving and compassion to notice where it's not there. So, and he does this little poem at the end of this little thing. He says, relax and be present to the I am touch. Relax and be present to the I am touch. Like rivers flowing, desiring so much. It's the river of love who wants to experience itself. Surrendering to this current and flow towards infinite beings, eternal glow. Surrendering to this current and flow of divine love towards infinite beings, eternal glow. Then that glow that's glowing within you beautiful children is divine love glowing through you guys. Look at that. It just sparkles right through you. And they're going to call your name Sparkle, okay? Yeah, she likes that name. The river and ocean may seem apart. Now, here's this bigger metaphor. We want to think of ourselves as the river separate from the ocean. And he says, the river and motion may seem apart, yet they are connected in one great heart. I would call that the wise heart, the heart that knows it's all the one life, the cosmic soul, the cosmic heart, the cosmic mind, the cosmic universe. And then we become the universe soul and we see ourselves everywhere mirrored. Could we trust in that? It's not going to look the way we think it should, Sylvia. You're going to have a man that says, I'll do it tomorrow, holding your hand. Isn't that the strangest thing you ever saw with a beard, no less? The river and ocean may seem apart, yet they are connected in one great heart. And when the river meets the ocean's embrace, and that's what you all are to me, the ocean's embrace. When the river meets the ocean's embrace, its current's purpose is fulfilled in its grace. Our life is fulfilled in the grace of just being one with this life. That's what we all are. And you hear the definition of grace as the unmerited givingness of the universe to all of us. We don't have to earn it. We just open to receive it. He goes on to say in his poem, let yourself empty and be free of desires and be one with this infinite and open to aspire. Aspire to be more of this divine love. And let whomever comes in your space be there. Dissolve in the ocean's boundless expanse and know the river and the ocean's true dance. We are the river and the ocean coming together in the one life. Could we dive into this beautiful divine love and know that it's everywhere, in everything? He goes on his last little stanza. The holy state of perfect non-being is your sacred self in true form and its freeing. Your being expands to every true source and infinite blessings your nature endorse. 
the holy state of perfect non-being, there's not two, there's only one, your sacred self in true form of freeing, this sacred self is setting us free of the widow self so that we can be this divine love in action wherever we are. Your being expands to every true source. What if that true source is everywhere and we expand into it? That's what yoga means, is to yoke back to source. And I studied with the Sadhguru and he says, you in the Western world should not be teaching yoga as an exercise class. He says, yoga is a yoking to source. It's the namaste consciousness made manifest. Wheresoever I look, I see the face of God. And when you go into that God space, what else are you gonna see in the mirror of life? Lastly, your being expands to every true source. And what is the true source? I would venture to say it's the garden. It's the rock that you hold in your hand. It's the little worm on the garden pathway that's looking up at you and saying, don't squish me. I'm a little worm. I've got to make the soil good for the plants. Infinite blessings, your nature endorse. Infinite blessings, your nature endorse. So I think it's time for a little bell. I'll do a little meditation. And then we'll do a little collection and a song. and a oh, We're breaking bread today. Isn't that glorious? Yes, breaking bread. And there's a lot of nice... Um, Jody made her wonderful three-bean salad, complete with green beans. Ah, okay, bell. Mm, for whom the bell tolls. The bell tolls for thee. And it's a call to go home, knowing that we've already arrived in this sacred breath of now. And the breath is always a symbol for spirit. So if we can consciously breathe into this sacred moment of now, claiming the gift of love, you feel, you can feel your way into love. All you need to do is image something you deeply care about. And then let the image dissolve in your mind and stay in that vibration, that feeling that you acquire when you go within. So we surrender into this ocean of love. And we listen with our heart. We open to a felt sense of belonging. When compassion awakens, which is the highest form of love, well, then we recognize that we are caring for one another. And so we let this heart of compassion awaken. Compassion for the suffering of the planet. There's the human suffering. There's species that are suffering. Uh, and we open to that. Not that we have to fix it and change everything. No, just to open that I am here for you. I am here for you to hold you in my heart. To see that the good, the God, is awakening in humanity. And the change is on the horizon. But it must start from within us. And so in this month of February, we open to Divine Love's guidance system. And we listen, not so much for answers, but we listen for opportunities to tune in, to deeply listen. One of the greatest gifts we can offer life is our capacity to listen to one another. And when the pain body wants to express, could we, like a loving mother, open to the pain body and hold that suffering little one in our arms? As I've shared with you, that little blind and deaf pug is such a guru for me. And when I think I'm caring for him so much, 
in the littlest of things, I come to realize that he's taking care of me in his own unique, beautiful way. And so then the game becomes much bigger. I don't become the rescuer on planet Earth. I become the lover of all of planet Earth. Everything is my my relationship with God. Whether it's a little plant that needs to be tended, whether it's a blind and deaf pug that needs to be held, whether it's someone who comes to me with a broken heart. I'm not here to fix the broken heart. I'm here to hold the broken heart. And in being held and being loved, the heart has a way to restore itself to harmony and balance. And so we remember that divine love brings together and maintains together in harmony and balance those who belong together. We begin with love. We end with love. And we say yes, a thousand times yes. This life belongs to you, beloved. Let it serve in the highest way and surprise us all in wonder and awe how we can be there in service to you and to all life. This is the dance we get to do endlessly anew, trusting in the moment to give us everything we need in advance of our asking. And so we step out on the stage of life with a grateful heart, claiming the blessings from every single encounter. That is what coming home is all about, Miss Amanda. And you have arrived. You're always there. And all is well. And all shall be well. And so it is. So thank you, my beloveds. I feel so much love for you right now. I think this is one of the after effects of coming here. I always feel intoxicated on the love. You know, love is intoxicating. I don't know if you realize that. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, please visit www.cslhuntsville.org.